Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Welcome to Parsha's Kisisa, as we focus on the Ramban. And uh, you might have heard about his first famous comment, which is about why Lashon HaKodesh, the holy tongue, holy language, is called that name. Very fascinating. Paraglamid Pasig Yud Gimel. So it's actually a machlokas between Rambam and Ramban. I always wondered if that was like one of the most famous machlokases that you could possibly find. Um, it, it certainly is a very common one um, in Chumash and not. Uh, so it's actually on the Pasig of Machsa Shekel B'Shekel HaKodesh. Why is, this is where this Ramban is and the, and the Rambam that he quotes as well from Mordevuchim. So why is it called the Shekel HaKodesh? So uh, the Rambam writes in Mordevuchim that the reason that Hebrew is called Lashon HaKodesh is because it's a holy language, a holy tongue, because it does not have any explicit names for male or female anatomy or other sexual words. Um, and therefore, it's holy. There are words that hint to uh, different um, acts and body parts, but it doesn't actually explicitly state that. And the Ramban, first of all, argues this and says it's simply not true and quotes a number of words that that are in Lashon HaKodesh, and it's a fascinating conversation, but not for now. But the Ramban says that that's not why it's called Lashon HaKodesh. It's called Lashon HaKodesh because Divrei Torah and Nevius and all holy prophecies were said over in this language. And so it's holy because it's the conduit for bringing over Hashem's words. Now, even the, both the Ramban and Rambam agree that it is a holy word and it does have holy to it in, in that degree. And we even find in Halacha, there's a conversation about when one is talking in the restroom, whether they're allowed to converse in Lashon HaKodesh or not. And this is not a, a forum for Halachic discussion, but the point is that it is a very holy language. And so he's explaining that the Shekel HaKodesh, why does it have that name? It's very simple, because Moshe Rabbeinu established a silver coin for the Jewish people because he was basically the king of the Jews. And he called it the Shekel, right? Because this shekel literally meant mishkal, a, a measurement, and it was a very, very um, perfect type of material, and it never, it didn't have any impurities. It was all burned out. And since this shekel is used for many, many holy things, many, many biblical laws, like erechen, if you promise the value of someone, pidyon bachar, if you're redeeming your bachar, this is how we learn that someone has to pay money, uh, and how much money they have to pay is learned from the parsha of the Torah that the shekel is used for, and other holy things, the Mishkan donations, uh, the yearly donations were given that way as well. And so that's why it's called Shekel HaKodesh, because it's it's the one that is used for biblical things. And the Kedusha is the Torah itself. And we recognize that Makadei Shemo Yisrael, right, that Hashem is sanctifying us and that the Torah makes us holy. That's such an important thing. And Lashon HaKodesh is, this is the Torah language. And when we look at the Torah, and see that the Torah makes us holy, just like the Maral explains the famous Gemara that what what did the Jews do wrong in the time of the Bias Rishon that they were not Berach Torah Tchila, right? They didn't make a bracha Berachas Torah. So the Maral says that they learned because it was intellectually stimulating and fun. And Torah is intellectually stimulating and fun, but and and part of it is meant to be enjoyed. But if you learn it also with the intention that it's it uplifts you and makes you holy, like the Nevi'ah Chaim talks about in Shardalat especially that. Torah helps us forgive, get forgiveness from our Averis. It helps us get to us to Hashem. It is something that teaches us how to live life. We should, Loma Abanas Lasos, 
to put it into action and that it um, is an expression of ultimate truth. These are the things, Averus, Tevekas, to do it and to live truth that the Nevi brings down, those four intentions we have when we learn Torah. So that's the Shekel HaKodesh. It's the holy Shekel because it's used for mitzvos, and the Torah elevates us and makes us holy. And this is a great introduction for Parshas Kisisa where we have the Chet HaEgel, where the Jewish nation lost that holiness and forgot about that holiness, that connection to Hashem, and the Gedol Yisrael and listening to Aaron and listening to Moshe and not following through on their greatness as a nation. All right, so we have another idea here in Perak Lamed, Pasuk Yudtes. So it says that Rachatu Aaron Ubanav, Aaron and his children have to wash their hands before they do the Avodah. <clears throat> so the Ramban brings down from Tzifer Yitzira a very fascinating thing. And he says that the head of a person is something that in the secular world we say, you know, from head to toe. But he says in Jewish vernacular we say from hand to toe because your hands can be outstretched and your hands are the extremity of your of, of your body and the feet are the extremity of your body and your hands could be stretched way above your head and your feet all the way at the bottom and that's what a, a man is supposed to look like and that's the remas for that hints to the ten spheres which your entire body is between and we'll explain that a drop according to whatever i can explain whatever i understand from that i've heard from Rishacher Rothschild and other people to explain this, and uh, Arya Kaplan as well. So that's what he brings down from the Sefer Yitzirah. So he's explaining why when they do the Avodah, they have to wash their hands and feet. These are our extremities. Now, if you think about for a second what's being said over here, first of all, the spheres represent, the first three spheres are Chachma, Bina, and Das. They represent knowledge, using our brain for Hashem. And the bottom three, Chesed, Gevur, Tferes, Netzach, Chod, Yisod, and Malchus, represent the body. And the Ramchal explains this in many places. So really the 10 spheres, of course, these are Kabbalistic things, but the Ramchal um, simplifies and he says it's just the unification of your brain, the das that you have, the brain, the chachma, bina, and das that you have, the knowledge of God, and the application that your body brings out. And so as Jews, we always want to sanctify our hands from hands to toe. We want to make sure that all of our body, all of our actions are unified between those 10 spheres, that our, that our head is always in unity and telling our body how to act, because our head always knows what's, what the truth is. Even Esav knew the truth in his head. That's why his head was buried in Mars Pela. But the Yitzhahara kicks in, and the taivas of the guf take over, and they cut off the head, which is what Malika is all about. The Gematria, Amalek's name is Malika. That's why the bird's head is decapitated. And Amalek, the Yitzhahara, will be shechted, because that's what he does to us. He tries to disconnect our knowledge from our body so that we don't apply what we know intellectually and we let our body take over. And so what's being said here is that we're trying to unify our entire body, that those 10 spheres should always be together. That's how I understand it. And so that's what the Kohen does in his avoda. He washes those. And it's interesting that when you wash your hands and feet, which they do on top of each other, you have to bring your hands all the way down. So again, we're showing that our entire body needs to be sanctified. And that's what's being done. We also find in the Chumash that when Moshe held up his hands above his head, he the Jews were successful. And like the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah says, of course, Hashem's, uh, Moshe's hands don't make war. That's not what it's about. But it means that when the Jews were thinking about Hashem, then they succeeded. So what I'm trying to explain is that the Remez, the hint in his um, erect hands, is that he is pointing towards Hashem and sanctifying the ten spheres that connect his brain and his knowledge of what is right to his body, which actually applies it and does it, which is the hardest challenge of life. So that's one of the little remuzzim of what's going on over here. Very, very fascinating idea.
This is why we find that Rabbeinu HaKadosh at the end of the Gemara in Ksubis lifted up his 10 fingers, his hands before he died and said, I never took from this world. And Tosas asks, well, what about all the delicacies he had on this table? He was enjoying as well. And Tosas answers, maybe he didn't eat them or they were only for the guests. But the, the Gras says, no, it's not true. The Gras says he ate them, but he ate them L'shem Shemayim. He, he unified his body. What he did was L'shem Shemayim, a service of Hashem, like the Shulchan Aruch says in Reish Lamed Aleph, that when even when you eat and sleep and take care of your bodily needs, they are it's for the sake of being healthy and being able to serve Hashem. That's the ultimate madrega. What beautiful, beautiful ideas here. Take a look at their own bond inside. Parak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Beis. So he says that Saul is called to be a leader of the Mishkan's building. And he says it's a pella because when the Jews were in Egypt, they didn't do any of this work. They, they dealt with bricks and they, they built the storehouses in Pisum and Ramses. But how do they know all this stuff? And again, the Ramban says, we'll talk more about this in the Mishkan Parshish as well, and by Yaakov Bakude, Bezer Hashem, that if you open up your heart and you said, Hashem, I want to do this work, then Hashem filled up, filled up your heart and gave you the ability to be able to do these things and be able to fulfill this mission. And that's how Betzal was able to do it because he was Nodva Libo, so his heart uplifted him and he wanted to give, and the Ramban will describe what that means, and hopefully we'll discuss that a little later. Uh, moving on to Perak Lamed Beis, Pasuk Hay. So it says, Aaron saw that the Jews were not behaving very well during the Egel. And so the Ramban says, well, why, did he, why didn't he just call them out? Why did he tell them, Machar, tomorrow you come back and we'll do it? And says the Ramban, a psychological point here, that the Ramban, that Aaron saw the crowd and he assessed them. And he was able to assess them. And we'll talk about assessing crowds at the end of the Parsha in a few moments. And therefore, Aaron said, I see that I see their mindset. But if I give them some time to think, hopefully they'll calm down and Moshe will come down in the meantime. And so therefore, Aaron wanted to delay so that hopefully they would be introspective. In the meantime, the mob only grew and grew and did even worse things. But this is an important point in life. We always need to take things slow, especially when we need to make big decisions and we feel very, very... Um, agitated by something, or we feel a, a big push to do something, always delay and always give yourself some time. We could always come back and make different choices. But if we act hastily, haste makes waste, like the whole Savova says, pre hakitsar haharata, the fruit of brevity is regret. So Aaron is teaching us, try to delay it for tomorrow. And that's why Halana Sadin, right? The Gemara says in, in Sanhedrin that Londina Bataldina, or Bastina is the Aramaic words. If the if the din sleeps, then it's usually battle. And if we wait on things, it's usually battle. So for the good, we use that for the good. If we uh, have something that we want to do, we should always act on it very quickly. If it's a positive thing, that, you know, building toward learning more, things like that. Um, I'll never forget, my friends and I were uh, very, very taken back by a dear friend of ours who was part of our chevra. His father passed away very suddenly. Diabetes, he passed away very suddenly, and we were in the room talking about 10 of us. And we said, We have to do something, we have to change something in yeshiva and make, make a big difference. And at that exact moment, someone pulled out a cup, a little plastic cup, and said, All right, we're going to start a recording library where people will be able to get shiurim that are inspirational. And he took out a tenaguru piece, and a few sh- a shekel, put it inside, and said, Who, Who's in? And other people in the room started putting in. And by the time we left that room, we had 100 shekel. And we had a commitment that we're going to buy some tapes and recordings and CDs and audios. And we also had a commitment that we were going to buy a number of sedurim that the yeshiva needed. 
And all this happened literally in a 10 minute conversation. But in that one moment, someone jumped on the inspiration. That's a tremendous chus that person has because thousands of hours of Schmusen, or Shimshon Pincus, or Victor Miller, and, and Reisman, and many, many other great people were heard and inspired people for years to come. People still tell me about that tape library, what an impact those thousands of hours of audios made on them. So when you grab the moment, it could be used positively. But in the negative, when you're thinking about doing something bad or something hasty that you might regret, just give it some time and then you'll come back to it tomorrow if you need to. The nation here hurried. They wanted to sin. And that's where everything went down. Moving on to Paraglama Bay's Pasuk Tazayan. So it says that Moshe came down and was greeted by his student, his faithful student, Yoshua, who was waiting for him. And Moshe said, I could tell that this this sound, this coal that's coming from the nation is them in a very, very bad place and a very, very sinful place. And the Ramban says that Moshe knew nigune hakolos, the different intonations of voices and sounds, and he was able to recognize exactly what was going on here. And he even had a complaint against Yeshua, his, his, the future leader of the Jews, and he says, how could you not know the difference between one voice and the other voice? And so again, Obviously, there's some probably Kabbalistic thing here. We know that the Zohar in Yisro tells us that Moshe was able to read people's palms and foreheads, which is where the Zohar talks about this. The uh, Ar Yakar, which is the parish of Ramosha Cordoviro, the great Kabbalist in the 1500s in Svat, uh, is where he extrapolates on this and has diagrams. I actually saw it in a library one time. Very, very fascinating stuff. I don't understand what it said, but it talks about how to read palms and foreheads. So obviously Moshe had that ability, that the Zohar and that Pasuk, you should appoint people by, by sight what you see. But Moshe also had this amazing ability to be able to read voices and hear voices. But from a psychological standpoint, it just means that a leader needs to be in touch with the nation. Just like I said earlier about Arana Cohen, that he recognized the nation was not in a place for hearing Musa and rebuke. Of course, he did try to stop them. And that's what, one of the reasons that he asked the women, you know, go ask the women for, for, uh, their jewelry and the women put up a fight and tried to stop the men and they were not able to. So Moshe is saying that a leader must be able to differentiate and understand different voices. And the people that we work with, we need to be able to lean in and understand what's going on in their lives as well. Paraglamud Bey is Pasachavaz, It says, Vayamud Moshe Bashar Hamachne. So what was going on? So the Ramban explains that Moshe um, executed those that served the eagle and he had the Levium execute when they answered the call of Mila Shemelai. He had them execute those that serve the Egel as well, because when you create such a big Chil Hashem, the only way to be Mechaper is through a Kiddush Hashem. And although this is very famous to us, that we know that, you know, hey, uh, the Gemara says, Chazal tell us that, uh, that one who makes a Chil Hashem, there is no Kapara, but the Svarim bring down a number of Ramazim, and this is one of the Ramazim from the Ramban, that a Kiddush Hashem could combat the Chil Hashem, and that could create a Kapara for those people. And we have the Rabbeinu B'chaya in Parshas Kedoshim says the same thing in the Pasuk that says, um, you, should kachi, you should not be mechalami. The next words are that v'nikdashi b'shelch b'nei Yisrael, which are, the Rabbeinu B'chaya says is the remez, that the way to be mechaper for a chil Hashem is to make a Kiddush Hashem. And we should always be sure to make Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem, like the Gemara Numa says, is when people see us and they say, this is someone who learns Torah, and ashrei him and his parents and his Rabbeinu that taught him Torah. Finally, the last Pasuk, Last discussion today is in Perik Lamed Gimel, Pasig Yudalif. So it says, describes Moshe's, ser, Moshe's um, servant, Mosharso Yoshua Benun, was a nar. He was his attendant. So uh, Ravram Ebenezer, and again, the Ramban agrees with him, says, if you do the math, we know that Yoshua lived to 110. We know that Chazal tell us, 
Eben Ezra's Mashavi to Chazal, as we talked about, that for seven years they fought to conquer the land, for seven years they divided it. So that means that at this time in this, in this Parsha, Yoshua was 56. He's no Nahar, he's no child. And so why was he called a Nahar? And so the, the Ramban says very simply, no. It just means anyone that is a servant to someone else and serves that other person is always referred to in the Torah as a Nahar. And why is that? Because when you serve someone else, you, and uh, this is my explanation, not the Ramban, but when you serve someone else, you subjugate yourself to that person. And so to a certain degree, you need to act like a nar, like a child, um, because you're listening to what they have to tell you. And certainly Yoshua's greatness was that he made himself into a child compared to Moshe, that he followed his Rebbe and he wanted to drink in all that he could learn from his Rebbe. And that's indeed the reason that he became the, the leader of Jewish people. Yes, of course, Chazal tell us that it was because he was cleaning the base matters and he had a tremendous respect for the Torah, and that makes it. But certainly he had to be Mishamish's Rebbe as well. And in fact, at the end of his life, he was even punished for not being Mishamish's Rebbe at a moment when his Rebbe asked him if he had any Shilas, and he wasn't Mishamish improperly because he should have asked him Shilas. And because he didn't, he actually forgot some of his learning until his Neil ben Kanaz reestablished it. But we'll save that for a different time. But the point is that a Nar is someone that subjugates himself and says, I sit by your feet and I want to learn and listen and serve you. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at ParshaThemes.com.